praise you. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room today. Uh, there's people in the room um, who feel lost, uh, who feel ashamed, who feel angry. Um, Lord, there's people that don't want to be here. And yet, Father, something has brought them here. And that's because you've got a plan for them today. That's real. And God, I just pray you'd reveal yourself to them. Um, help us, teach us, show us uh, the life that we have in you. And God, I pray that you would help me <clears throat> to preach your word and only your word and I wouldn't get in the way. And I'll give you all the glory. I need you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. How you guys doing? <laughs> well, nice, that's pretty good. Well, hey, welcome to the Remnant. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. So last week I lied to you guys. You remember. Does <clears throat> this sound weird or just to me? Huh? People in the front say yes. People in the back say no. A little bit? Oh, you better mess with it because people are saying yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> um, yeah, so I lied to you last week. I <laughs> uh, just want to get that out again. Unintentionally. So this week we're going to start the series, <clears throat> one of many if the Lord continues to let me preach, that we're going to do coming up this fall. But um, you don't have an image today, but the one you're going to get is really cool when it comes. But uh, So this is it. It will be the first of three. So if you're here today and you skip the rest, you're just a quitter. All right? Do you want to be a quitter? Right? Some of you are already offended. Perfect. Get that out of the way early. <clears throat> um, yeah, so honestly, I really do encourage you to come today because I think that it will... Be encouraging to you. I really do. Um, so that's what we're doing. What is it? Yeah, it's called chains. We'll get to that. I have to tell you because there's no image. Um, so for these verses, you guys can just write these down. Don't pull it out because it's not what we're going to necessarily be studying today, but it's really important. I just want you to let this soak in, okay? And you guys will be flipping through your Bibles, and there's like four of them, and it'll just take forever, all right? Just make a little note to look it up later if you want, but just try to listen to this. <clears throat> In the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19, Jesus does something really interesting. <clears throat> Jesus shows up at the temple very early on in his ministry, and he go, it says he goes up in front of the synagogue, right? And he opens a scroll, and he reads a very specific section from Isaiah. Now, this section from Isaiah is foretelling the coming of the Messiah and what his purpose is. And this is, I get goosebumps right now. You can't see him because my long sleeves, but I have goosebumps. This is a cool part. Because Jesus literally goes up there, reads this, and is a set, and he, it's like a mic drop. It says all he does after that is roll the scroll up and walk away. That's what he did. He came up, he said something, he mic dropped, he left. But what he said was this. The Lord, I'm sorry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. <clears throat> if you've been here long enough, you know that I often use the phrase uh, Christian earmuffs, right? And you already did it. Guarantee you did it. You want to get to the meat. But because you grew up in the church, beautiful thing, and you've heard all these things. But let that sink in that I'm, this, the last year has been me sort of, I'm not going to say challenging God because that won't go well for me, okay? But holding God to his promises. And, and what it's done is made me, when I read the Bible, I stop looking at it as these kind of nice suggestions or like feel-good things. And I take it as he said it, that's what he meant. There's no symbolism here, you hear me? There's no, this is, I'm just, a, it's not just him saying, hi, I love you. 
He literally is telling us what he came here for, to proclaim good news to the poor. Okay, what's the good news? Well, he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. That means freedom. And recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, there's that word again, freedom, those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let that sink in, liberty. Galatians 5.1, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Galatia. And what does he say? He says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. A yoke, of course, being the big wooden thing that you put on an ox, right, to pull a plow. <clears throat> for freedom, there you go. Here he's doing that. I can look at it in your eyes. Don't make me throw a podium. One of these days, I promise you I'm going to do it. Wake up. I have to be here. You have to be here. Let's just have a good time, okay? It's way better for me when I don't see you guys doing this. Because if you do, this is what I'm going to do from now on. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit. You want me to talk like this the whole time? Then don't look like this the whole time. All right? You be here with me, I'll be here with you. Deal? Oh, perfect. If not, I'm just going to go into that. I'm not even going to warn you. I'm just going to start going, hey, everyone. All right. <clears throat> yeah, it's not. See, please don't. Yes, please stop with your mopey faces. All right? You're already here. Okay, here we go. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but there it is again, freedom. Well, Todd, I'm, I'm in America. I'm free. Eh, are you? <clears throat> stand firm, therefore. If he says that, hey, you've been set free, but you have to stand firm, the implication is what? Is that there will be times that you will be pushed or pulled or tempted to go back to what? To the yoke of slavery. What does that mean? Right? There's a... There, let that sink in. He's talking to Christians. Don't submit. Don't give yourself over to being a slave to something when you are called to be free. Same chapter, verse 13. Same section. All right? Twelve verses later, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I like this because here's the freedom again. Why does he have to remind us of that? I'll tell you why. He has to remind us because we're forgetful people. We tend to submit again to a yoke of slavery. <clears throat> but what's cool there is he adds something. You're free, only don't use that freedom to hurt people. Use it to love and serve one another. You've been let out of the cell not to go around punching people and not to cut yourself either, but to serve and love other people. Freedom. Symbolism? Yeah, but reality too, okay? First Peter 2.16, here's the, that old Peter. Boy, he really grew up since the whole, uh, you know, denying Christ thing. Live as people who are free. There we go again. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, <laughs> but living as servants of God. Here, that's almost the same thing, isn't it? That's the same thing as Paul said. Don't use it as an opportunity for evil, but do good. Live as people who are free. What's the implication? If he tells you to live that way, you have a choice that you could do what? You could live not free. Listen to me. You can live not free. You could choose. Why would people choose that, Todd? We'll talk about that. But he has to remind us. God is reminding us through the apostles, through, the, through his book, that we need to live free. We were set free. For what purpose? To do evil, to be selfish, no, to do good. But that doesn't change the fact that we're free. statement or I'm going to somebody else sound bite this and turn it into uh, blasphemy um, I'll say it anyway whatever you know if he says don't use your freedom 
for evil, right? The implication is you could, right? Not that you want, he wanted you to. He just told us not to, but you could, couldn't you? If someone is released from prison, could they go commit another crime? Absolutely. It's the same thing. That's an interesting thought. We'll come back to that. And then John 8, 36, beautiful, simple, this is Jesus. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Yeah, amen. That's absolutely right. But do you live that way? Do we live that way? Now, you've been conditioned to when I say certain questions, no, and then yes, right, because you think that's what I want. No, when I, I want you to think about it. Do you feel free? Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, used the word freedom. Part of his job is to set the captives free. Do you feel free? Actually and truly free. Has your faith made you feel lighter? Let this, I'm for real. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 40 years. Is the majority of your Christian faith lived in, in freedom and lightness? Well, good for you. I know you. That's not always true. Has it made you feel less heavy? Are you able to walk in confidence and peace 100% of the time in your Christian walk? Clearly, you know that these are those questions that I already know the answer to. Or does it feel more like a vicious cycle? A game of hide and seek with God and other Christians? What do I mean by that? Well, I mess up. I hide. I come back after I think he's forgotten about it. I mess up. I hide. I come back when I think he's forgotten about it. I can't tell other people because then they're going to think I'm not one of his and then they'll kick me out of the house. A roller coaster of mess ups and is this good enough? I used to live by that two week rule. I joke, the guys in line here know what I'm talking about, right? You mess up. Usually after about two weeks of hating myself, beating myself up, then I'll be like, I'm clean again. Right? I'm good again. I've earned it again. I'm back. Are you, <clears throat> does it feel heavy and suffocating, if you're honest? You want to know partially how I know that's true for some of you? I'm going to bring it up again, because you don't go to church. You know why you don't go to church? Because you love God, some of you, some of you just lazy, all right? But you love God, but you don't want to go be reminded and have weights put on you. You don't want to live under that weight, so you'll just, you'll stay home, you'll do just enough, Right? But church should not be a place of weights. It should be a place to celebrate our freedom. But that's not what it is most of the time. Why? Because we submit to a yoke of slavery. Does it feel heavy and suffocating? Listen, I'll answer. It does to me. It does to me. I, don't, I felt more free at 17, 16, 17 when I became saved and I walked out, I've told this story, right? Jack was there, you, he asked me, he's here, you can attest this. How you feel, Todd? I said, I feel lighter. You remember that? I said that. Why do I feel heavier after I know more about God, have spent more time with God's people than I did the day that all I knew was I'm a sinner and I want Jesus? Why is that, how is that possible? I can blame everybody else, but it's me that's submitted to a yoke of slavery. Does it feel heavy and suffocating? Or maybe you're in this room and you're not a Christian. I know some of you. Sometimes, man, if I was just old school, like in the 
freaking first century pastor. I would literally just point names. You ain't saved. I know you're not. You don't love Jesus. That means you're going to hell. It is, right? I could say that. Now it's like, that's mean, Todd. It's the truth. I always think about when people come to church that aren't Christians because, like, their relatives tell them to, or their husband, wife, or son, or daughter, and they're already going to be here for 45 minutes. And I literally think to myself, Bro, what kind of person are you if you sit here for 45 minutes and intentionally don't listen because, like, you already wasted your day. (laughs) It's almost silly not to. If this is true, and that's what the question you say to yourselves, well, that's if, Todd. Okay, fine. Let's play. I'll give you maybe it's not, but why don't you give me if it is? If it is, what does that mean for you? No, I'm not actually talking about a specific person people. I'm just kidding. Uh, Or maybe you aren't a Christian. Do you feel free? Has your pursuit of the things you want, if you're not a Christian, do you feel free? You might think you do, but how's that going for you? Has the pursuit of what you want, things that some of which you're ashamed of, you're embarrassed of, you hide from people, has that actually brought you life and freedom? Do you go to bed at night going, man, I'm good. It's all good. Or do you go to bed at night going, boy, I hope I don't get caught. Is that freedom? I would imagine the answer for many of you, spoiler alert, free rap song. Anyway, for the answer for many of you is no, you don't feel free. You don't. You might have moments of it. Those are awesome moments, by the way. That's why people like worship. You know why people love worship the most? Because you feel more free. I hear it all the time. I love worship. Sermons, I don't like being told things. I get it. I don't either. <clears throat> yeah, you're supposed to tell me in this room if you're Christian that you're free. But that doesn't always translate to real life. Or maybe you're a Christian and you're like, I'm free, but not from this hatred of these people in this church. Then you're not free. So the question is why? This is what I'm pondering for myself. The Bible speaks very clearly that in Christ we are free. Yeah, we agree? It says it. Free of what? We'll talk about that. Why are most Christians so downtrodden, grumpy, and sad. Now, I mean what I say when I tell you that I don't look out at you guys and most often focus on a single person, right? I don't. Now, I'm actually opposite. If you are a grumpy person, I don't want to look at you, okay? Like, my, my, my eyes naturally just go away from you, which is probably why some of you do that. Well done. If you're friendly, that, if you're like, man, I feel like he's staring at my soul, it's probably not because I'm calling you out. It's because I'm like, hi, you are at least smiling, pretend you don't want to shoot me. I would like to look at you, right? So what's the implication? My point if I don't see everyone is like, I see your grumpy faces. I see you're tired, and me too. I just told the, uh, the team, we have a pre-service meeting, and I was like, listen, sometimes you got you to gotta live, they didn't know I was going to talk about this, live in a way you don't feel. You get what I'm saying? And I think so many times we're a slave to our emotions. You know if you're a slave to your emotion, are you free? No, you're not free. You're a slave to your emotions. It's that, I just gave you the clue, right? You guys are grumpy a lot. <laughs> you are. Me too. You're sad. You're downtrodden. You look miserable. If I wasn't a Christian, I can imagine high school. Actually, I'm just being real. This is what he thought. Christian, a non-Christian Todd in high school was like, man, I'm laughing all the time, having a good time. You guys look miserable. <laughs> you know? Why is that? Why is it that you're miserable? A lot of the time. Now, you're good people, right? You're saints, so you don't choose to think about that. But that doesn't mean you don't live out of it. 
Where is our joy and peace and freedom? Where is it? Do you know what I mean by freedom? I, am I the only one that can right now, I can imagine and just go, <sighs> you know what I mean? That feeling of like, God is not out to get me. You know, he's not going to throw me out. I'm not a failure. Like, if I could imagine that for a minute, right, literally imagine that, the best thing I can do is usually tell you that if God loved you, bare minimum, as much as you love the thing or person or dog or cat that you love in this world, would you feel more free and safe? Yeah, you would. If, if God loved me as much as I love my daughter, I'd be like, that's right, all the time. Well, we edit that. Anyway, I would, right? But I, but I don't. <clears throat> I wish I'd think about those things before I do them. Where's our joy, peace, and freedom? Put simply, I'm going to tell you the issue. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you what's going on. And I mean this. <clears throat> We've let our humanness, and this is very important what I'm about to say, and our religion, our religion. What's religion? Religion is not, I'm not talking about Christianity, our man-made traditions, rules, um, the unspoken list of laws. We have let our humanness and our religion make us forget how truly free we are. I'll tell you this, and I, and I said I was going to bring this up, and I haven't. I should bring that letter up next week, and I'm pointing Mandy because it's someone she knew. If you know about, actually, you know what, oh, man, I don't know if I want to say it now, I'm so excited. I want to say it later. One of them, boy, I'm really, I'm really, what's most powerful here? I guess I need to say it now. I've already wasted 30 seconds. Hey, Luke, don't, don't look at me like in disgust. All right? All right? So the, before I get to this, I just told you our religion makes us forget how truly free we are. The most flack that I ever get as a pastor, this is a true story, beyond people just saying garbage about me, right? Um, which, P.S., if you ever come to me and say, I heard this about you, this is what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say, I just assume it's true. Here's why. Because I like to make you think, what does that mean then? What if I am everything you've heard? What if I am? By the way, I, none of y'all ever come up to me and say, hey, I heard this good thing about you. That never happens. I guarantee if someone says something nice, at least my mom, and you never come up and go, hey, your mom said this nice thing about you. I would love that, <laughs> Right? But why do I do that? You know why I do that? Because I'm challenging your notion of what freedom is in Christ. So what I was about to say was my, the, the flack that I've gotten most beyond personal attacks in my ministry, the ministry that got, not my ministry, God's allowed me to be part of, is, is preaching the radical grace that we are shown in the Bible. Okay? So if you've never listened to the message, Broken Cart, which addresses the only real things you've probably heard about me, unless you heard I'm grumpy, that's true. <clears throat> there's a message on our website called Broken Cart. Go listen to it. You'll know my story. You'll know my story. But in that story, I, I read a letter from a pastor's wife, but the pastor wrote it too. Okay. And this pastor wrote this letter. Um, actually, he wrote it to Mandy, so I can tell you that. Right? And essentially warning her about hitching herself, exact words, to a broken cart like me. Because my sin had, I'm a broken cart. I'm a broken wagon, okay? That's not the point of the story. And went through all these lists of things, right? And it, it haunted me for a long time. Anybody knows this. Um, this is a beautiful story, and I don't know why I'm telling you, though it fits. It's not in my notes. So re I think it was this year. I got a friend request from this lady on Facebook. This is when I was still on Facebook. I want you to consider this. 
Last thing I know, I'm a broken, evil cart, right? Um, and I, in fact, I, she, she used the verse that says, Satan comes as an angel to, to, you know, disguised in light or something. And I'm like, that really hurts, right? Um, because that'll make you question yourself, right? Last time I heard, of, heard from her. So she messaged me and says, hey, be my friend. That's the unspoken thing, right, on, on, on uh, Facebook. So I clearly got a hold of me and said, yo, uh, your old buddy here is trying to, I don't understand this. <clears throat> so then she said, reaches out to her, and he ends up sending me this text that she said back. And I cried because this is important for you guys, for what I'm about to tell you today, and I guess it does set this up. Because you're going to be challenged if you believe the things we're about to say today at times. Because people want religion more than they want Jesus. Because religion is controllable. Jesus isn't. In, the, in this message, and I, I might tear up saying, there's a lot of things she said, personal things where she reaffirmed, like, hey, he's proven him, like, just cool stuff, okay? I'm, I'm going to probably bring it up here sometime, because I think it full, shows the full circle of the story. But one of the statements she said in there that blew me away was she said that one of the reasons that she said what she said, and I'm going to paraphrase, is that I don't believe, this is a woman who had been in ministry for how many years at that time, 20, 30, 30, who said to me, she goes, I don't think that I was prepared to live in the freedom and grace that you guys lived in. But she does now. She gets it. Powerful. Also convicting for me because I had written that lady off. But anyway, my point is, someone that even teaches and does really good work in ministry for years and years, can over time, religion can drown out the truth and beauty of the gospel. Because here's a, a, little, a little clue before we go on. If any part of this, if any part of my status with God, my anointing, for lack of a better word, right, my favor, my forgiveness, if any part of that is based on me, I'm in big, big trouble. Doesn't matter. Because the standard's perfection. You see what I'm saying? I'm in big, big trouble. And the sad reality is so are you. And there's people that are arrogant that are still living in change. You see, they're counting on the religion to save them. And they're not free. Because a lot of times, the, the weights people put on others, they put on themselves. Or somebody's put it on them, right? So, well, if I'm going to have it put on me, I'm going to put it on you. Back to the point here, back to our regularly scheduled program. Put simply, I think we let our humanness and our religion make us forget how truly free we are. Instead, we live wrapped in chains of fear and shame and self-hatred. Cycle over and over again. These chains are always self-imposed. But Todd, I thought you said other people put them on. They're self-imposed. What do I mean? Well, either we put them on ourselves or we allow other people to put them on us. You see, people can't change God's word. People can't change God's truth. So if I let someone wrap me in chains of condemnation, I had to put my arms out and say, here you go. It's always self-imposed. But here's, here's the secret. It's just a game. There's no locks on the chains. The door to the prison cell that you go back into isn't locked anymore. You can walk out anytime you want. It's a make-believe game. We're not trapped. We're not prisoners. Well, Todd, what if everyone says it? What if, you know, Pastor Billy Bob Thornton right, tells you that's a real guy? Oops. Uh, 
We are not, what if he says so? It doesn't matter. We're not prisoners. The chains have no locks except the ones we let ourselves believe are there. We are free. Jesus has unlocked them once and for all, and we have to remember the keys to that. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about some of these chains, but I'm, and we're going to counter it with the key that Jesus used, right, to unlock it, why, why it doesn't have a hold on us. So today we're going to talk about a little bit of a mixture of that fear. Fear. What if, what if God, you know, it's funny. People can, there are people in the room that say, well, I won't lose my salvation, but I'm still afraid of God taking his favor from me. If I'm not obedient, that God is going to punish me, that God is going to discipline me, that God is going to spank me, that God, all these things, right? And listen, Todd, well, the Bible says that uh, he chastises those he loves. Yeah, but our version of discipline is not the same as God's. We live in fear and shame, and that is overwhelming. And a lot of times Christians will walk away and walk into the domain of darkness, right, into the world just to live free a little bit. The sad truth is they're not living free. They're just walking into a bigger prison cell. So I want you to think of this. But in order to understand our freedom, we need to understand the situation. We have to understand. So Romans 3, 10 through 18, very clearly Paul's talking to the church in Rome. You want to read a book that kind of explains everything that's happening here? Read Romans, right, after the Gospels. You got this or did I give it to you, fellas? Perfect, okay. As it is written, this is Paul to the church. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. You ever done that? You ever deceive? Ever? That old saying, if you've lied once, you're a liar. The venom of asps is under their lips, that's a snake. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Farther on, in Romans, it says very simply, well, first of all, let's start here. There is no one, right? It says it. No one is righteous, not even one person. That's bad news. Particularly when you know that in Romans... I believe 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. So if every single person is not righteous, and the wages, right, the punishment of not being righteous, the outcome of not being righteous is your death. That's the situation. You have sinned against a holy God, period. You did it before, and you've done it since you became a Christian. You and we in our natural state without Christ, and this is why I get so passionate, and like I do not understand when you're talking about hell and heaven that people can like be like, they're just not interested. Without, in our natural state without Christ, we are a sinner, guilty, unholy, an enemy of God, and we will be punished for those crimes, period. And if you're in the room and you're not a Christian, I don't care what Oprah told you, I don't care what you know, some dung goy or whatever guy you're following, right? I made that up, I hope. I don't care who has told you that you are good and living and whole, awesome and you're, gonna, you're one with the universe. It's all a lie. You're going to hell. You are going to be punished. That's the end of the story. You can wish it all you want. Just like if you go up on the roof and I chuck you off and you wish you could fly, we're going to find out gravity still wins. 
That's the facts. Well, I don't believe in that. Okay, cool. Don't believe in lions and let me put you in a lion's den. Is there a lion in here? Anybody see one? Well, they must not exist. Without Christ, we're a sinner, guilty and holy. We are an enemy of God. It says that we put ourselves against God. We are in chains. You are a prisoner. You are dead. You're the walking dead. You like that? You just don't know it yet. You just don't, you're dead. You just don't know it yet. Well, I feel alive. Yeah, sure. That's our situation. But, okay, that's what you were. But in Christ, Romans 3, 21 through 26. Now, we're going to be talking today about theological term, but it's important to understand it and don't get caught up in the wordiness, right? But it is important you pay attention because Todd's going to use a, a, a word that is not often used, okay? <clears throat> or we use it and I don't think we know what it means. Romans 3, 21 through 26, same section. So that's our situation, right? You're dead in Christ. You were dead in Christ. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, apart from the, the rules. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There it is again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. I know this is wordy, I'll explain. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, his withholding, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. I'll paraphrase this sentence by sentence, right? That's pretty wordy. But now the righteousness, the holiness of God has been manifested, has come separate from your efforts. Make sense? Your efforts, what your efforts couldn't do, God revealed himself. I'm going to throw a podium. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, that is the Bible. You want me to get a squirt gun and squirt you guys and tell you you're awesome? That way you'll wake up. See, that's what we need, 100 people in here. <clears throat> so he says, the Bible has told us that's the case, that the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, that you will have the holiness, the right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say there's no distinction. Hey, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Mother Teresa, and it doesn't matter if you're Jeffrey Dahmer. It doesn't matter which person you are, that when the standard is the glory of God, everyone falls short. He says that in the middle. And then he says, there is no distinction. For all of sin falls short of, God, of the glory of God. And they are justified, made right, declared innocent. That's what that means. It's a legal term. They're de declared in I'm sorry, innocent by his grace as a gift. It's a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This gift came through Jesus. 
whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. He put forward as a sacrifice. That he stood as a substitute for you. And you can have that by believing. This was to show God's goodness and his holiness. So Todd, how does that make sense? How does that show his holiness? Because he didn't let anyone off the hook. Make no mistake, someone was punished for what you've done. His holiness is still, he's still holy. He's now able to be in relationship with you, right? Perfect holy God cannot be in relationship with something that's not holy. Do you understand? So, he has to do something to make it to where this guilty person is innocent, and then he can be in relationship with them again. And through Jesus. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over other sins, and it was to show his holiness, his goodness, his righteousness at the present time, now, so that he might be just. He's still going to be just, right? God has to be just and good, right? And before you say, well, it's not just, I hear this all the time. Why would a finite crime send someone to an infinite hell? Okay, I will come, and I will kill your entire family, and then the judge will let me off because I've been good the rest of the time. What a good judge. You don't believe that. All right, maybe put it, maybe put it in a term, you know, you kids. You're on the sports team. You're better than the other kid. He, you practice. He doesn't even practice. He starts. What a good coach. He's still just because why? The punishment was held, withheld. The sentence was carried out. But he's also the justifier. He declared you innocent by his effort, his effort alone. Okay? What is justified as a definition? It is a legal term. It means that the debt's been paid, right? It's all clear now. It's all clean. This is very, very important, guys, as Christians. You have to understand this, and this is a key to why you don't feel free many times because you're going to find out in the weeks ahead that we get justification mixed up with sanctification, and when you do that, you get things called backsliders, and then you think you can backslide all the way to hell. That's not possible. You understand? Which we'll talk about later. That's okay. Some of you that want to debate me, right here it is. Okay, a person or Christian is declared, so for Christian terms, it's a legal term, a person slash Christian is declared to be not guilty before God. And because you're not guilty, you are returned to your previous state before you sinned. You are viewed as perfect and holy. And you are in right relationship with God. That's righteousness. You're just like he was with Adam and Eve now before the fall. Like he was with his son. Does this make sense before I move on? And we'll go in a little deeper. So it's, there's some keys here that we need to take just from this section. By the way, this is talked about all throughout Scripture. And you've got to tie it all together. So when Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I will not let go of one of these that you have given me, he says to the Father, right? And you tie that into justification. Do you understand now? I will not let you slip into hell. I will not let you slip back. I won't let go. Even if they let go, I won't let go. Even if we wiggle and squirm sometimes, right? He won't let us go. So keys to understanding justification we take from this. One, we cannot, and here's your list. I told you I'd have one for you. But then you're getting another list that's not going to be up there. Your keys to understanding justification. We cannot earn it. I'm going to say this again. You can't earn it. And it's a trap to believe that you can. You can't earn it, and this is just as important because you're like, I know that, Todd. You can't keep it on your own. You understand? It's not something like a job uh, 
like a promotion, okay? I've got the promotion, and now I've got to perform, or I'm going to get fired. That's not how it works. You can't be fired from being his son or his daughter. You don't earn it, you don't earn it, and you don't keep it. Justification comes apart from the law. It says it up here, doesn't it? Remember verse 1, apart from the law? That means apart from your good works, apart from your rule keeping, apart from your list of rights and wrongs, you cannot be good enough to earn it or keep it, even after coming to know him. Number two, and that says it right up there, right? You're in agreement? Whether you agree or not, you can argue with Paul. It says it there. Number two, it's possible only through Jesus. Okay? You can slap the name Jesus on anything you want, any sort of rules, any sort of, uh, any sort of service, any sort of church, all you want to. But if it doesn't include Christ crucified and Christ resurrected, your faith in religion is powerless and dead. The substitute had to be there. Remember, he has to still be just. Somebody was going to have that wrath poured on them. The Bible says we are storing up wrath for the day of judgment. All have sinned. There's a cup right here. Right? There's a pitcher of wrath getting ready to be poured out. You have two options. There will, become, there will come a time. He's pouring. Does it go on you or Jesus? Justification is made possible in the sacrificial death of Christ. He steps in front of you. And he takes the firing squad. It is based on the shed blood of Christ. The death penalty was paid for you. Do you understand? So in the situation where I said, okay, and it's crazy that I killed these people and I, you hurt people or whatever, and you're in jail and someone comes and says, I will let you out because I will pay and sit and finish the rest of your sentence. Number three, this is important. It's instantaneous at salvation. The moment you accept Christ, right, the moment that you repent of your sins, confess with your heart, and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, the moment you do that, that's magic, right? You are justified. It's done. Now, there's a process called sanctification that's going to come from that moment on that's not going to be instantaneous, and you have a part in that. We'll talk about next week. But this justification is done. It's instantaneous. In that moment, it happens. You are sealed. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. It's sealed. It's over. That part is done. You are justified and declared righteous and holy in front of God. Not because you are holy, but you are being declared holy. So life is just about beginning to be changed to match what you already are. That's deep. You get what I mean? You are now a son or daughter. The rest of your life is learning how to be a son or daughter. Number four, and this is somewhat related to the earning it, but it's justification is a free and kind gift. How kind is our Father? How much does he love us that he gives us this gift that we don't deserve and can't pay for? Because you see, at the end of the day, on our deathbed or in the judgment seat, it doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account right now. Whether you're Jeff Bezos or some beggar and, and, and leper in India, it's all equal in the eyes of God. And you will be judged not on any of that, but on one simple thing. Are you innocent or are you guilty? Justification is the free and gracious gift of God given to those 
who put their faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Well, I don't understand how all that works. It doesn't say when you understand it fully. It says when you put your faith in it. Number five, it shows us the holiness and goodness of God. Justification demonstrates that God is holy. Why? Because he does not let anyone off the hook. He doesn't. He keeps the standard, right? Because if God's here and in order for us to be with him, we have to be here. There's only two options. Option one is he lowers himself to us, which would mean become unholy. That's not going to happen, right? Or somehow make us holy. Guess which one he does? Yeah, he makes us holy. And so he pulls us up. He loves us so much that he gives us this. It's free. We can't pay for it, meaning. And it shows, so it shows his holiness and also shows his kindness. He's both a just judge and a good father, a kind and loving father. It demonstrates that. Number six, this is huge, huge. Since That was my impersonation. Since God gave it, no one can take it away. No one. Not even you. Even you can't take away what God's given you. How could you? How can I go undo the cross? That's what I've never understood. Now listen, there's very good theologians, right? Eh. Ah, that's a lie. That's just being politically correct. I don't think you can say, I don't believe it's, I always bend. I don't mean to. There's people that believe in Jesus that think you can lose your salvation. They're just choosing to live in a chain their whole life. It doesn't change it. At the end of the day, they're going to find out, right? Just like I got some stuff wrong too, but why live in that when it's very obvious that we can't undo a free gift? Can't earn it. I'm just going to throw this. You're first. Oh, not him. You, Jill. All right. (laughs) Wake it up. Tim, she's out of control up here. All right. He just goes, I don't know, man. Since God gave it, no one can take it away. Let that sink in. The beautiful thing about the story I told you about the lady who called me a broken card. Man, it's so funny how God encourages me and convicts me because I had written her off. Then in the span of that to this text, it never changed the fact that she couldn't take it away from me. She just had to come to the place where she realized that. And you know what happened? Then she realized it for herself, and she was free. Nobody can take it away from you. Now listen, that's not going to feel true. It's not going to feel true. You have to remember the truth. And here I gave you, you know, we talk about men's group. Everybody knows my phrase here, I probably didn't coin it, but this idea of having an anchor verse in your life, something that holds you firm. There's a bunch that you can take right here in this section, in those moments when you doubt, right? Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, apart from my effort. Thank you, Lord. Number seven, it is sealed and it's finished. Your justification is finished. It's over. There's a period at the end. There is no addendum. There's no addition. There's no editing. It's finished. You are justified before a holy God. Justification is instantaneous, eternal, right? It's over. You did nothing to get your own justification except accept a gift you were offered. 
Now, you're going to understand next week what I mean when I say, now we'll talk about, now your, your choice to live as a son or daughter in your life, you have a part in that. You have a part in, do you want to become, are you going to become more like Jesus? Now, here's the, the bad news for you. Um, Jesus said that uh, God has said, I'm going to finish the good work I started in you. So it's going to be finished. It's either you want to walk patiently with him or you want him to drag you because you're going. <laughs> you're going to be sanctified and glorified at the end, right? So you're justified, you're declared righteous and holy. Sanctification is this process by which you become that which you were declared and glorified is when it's all over. We're perfected. We are exactly who we were meant to be. And that happens on the other side. When he comes back. Now, I gave you an image here, and it's very simple. If Krista was here, she's not today, is she? Is she? I actually asked her to, she's upstairs. Okay. Um, good. Okay, Krista, if you're watching this. Because uh, I, I was like, I told her, I was like, hey, this image I have of a cross and a person, it doesn't exist. I literally thought I had created something. Turns out, nope, it's out there. So, uh, I literally had her working on drawing. I was like, listen, I've checked all the internet. This doesn't exist. This week, I did one more, so it immediately pops up. So it's really embarrassing. Um, I even have a sketch on my desk of like, look at this ingenious thing I've created. So I wish this was kind of the other way around, just because our eyes, you know, in English, we go from left to right to believe or come near the cross, but it's still. So Christ on the cross gives his righteousness. It's credited to us as we give our guilt to Jesus on the cross. Remember, I always tell you now when I say divine transaction, it all makes sense. If we're willing to give it and trust him to take our guilt, our sin, our evil, he will take it upon himself. Time doesn't exist to God. Right? It's all the same. He will then give us and credit to our account the perfect, holy, spotless life of Jesus. You know what that means? Let this sink in. Look at this image. What does he see when he sees you? Does he see a failure? Does he see someone flawed? Does he see your sin? How could he see your sin? How could he see it when it's already been nailed to the cross? Now, you're all going to say you get this, but it sounds, and then some of you are going, oh, he's right on the edge of blasphemy. No, I'm not. You've just been told that. The Bible says it clearly. Your sin is no more. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. Yes, you can do bad things again, which is silly. That's just a chain, right? But he doesn't see that. What he sees is, you as though you had never sinned. He sees Jesus. So that even if you're like, well, I don't worry, Todd, that I'm going to lose salvation, but I'm afraid that he's, I'm going to lose his favor. Did Jesus? Did Jesus lose being the son of God? Did Jesus lose being, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased? You are his daughter with whom he's well pleased. You are his son with whom he's well pleased. That's the way it is. It can't be in between. And in our religion sometimes, that is, like, it's such a simple image, isn't it? But it's not simple, and we have a hard time understanding what that means because you're like, well, Todd, I can just hear these old buddy-duddy Christians. What happens if they do sit again? And blah, 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 blah. They're going to go crazy and have sex with each other and drink and snort Coke all the time because without fear, that's what they're going to do. Wow. Where's the Holy Spirit in any of that? If you're a true believer, do you know how I know you're not going to do that? Right? Because you're, we know what the fruit of the Spirit is. Peace, patience, love, joy, right? All those things. Self-control. 
I don't worry about whether or not, it's not my job to determine whether or not you are truly saved and sealed. Now, as a Christian, right, we know that if Christians, Jesus has told us if they refuse to repent, refuse to change, right, then it's not because they sinned, it's because they were never a Christian. You get it? Christian is going to produce fruit. Even if it's a tiny little sickly looking grape, you know the kind you throw away in the bag, right? Even if that's it, that's still fruit, right? Luke's like, I've never even heard of this. Yeah, <laughs> it's your fault, Luke. You're right here today, all right? You should have given me one of them smiles. <clears throat> Why am I still doing this? Anyway, if it's a small grape, right, it's still fruit. It's still fruit. So you're taught, well, what about Matthew 18? What happens when a Christian refuses to repent? That's the beauty of it. Look at all the stages that have to happen before finally we have to go, man, you just either aren't a Christian. And that's what it says, right? We, or you are so wrapped in chains that you can't see. So the only way you might see is if you say, okay, go out there then. But we live our lives wanting to create this set of rules. Like, and it is, listen, I don't even think pastors that do this are necessarily always evil intent, have evil intentions. They want good for you, and they literally believe, and I've done this, right, at times, that if I don't constantly bash you and make you fearful, you're going to act crazy. You're going to run around and do all kinds of sinful activity, right? But if you're a believer in this room, and, and listen, we all, we can get trapped in sin. Certainly I've done it, right? Christians can still sin. Followers of Jesus. How do I know that? David, Peter, right? Over and over and over. It happens throughout the Bible. <laughs> I lost my, my thought because I was thinking about the grape thing again. Uh, you know, we, we can't, <laughs> anybody know what I was saying? No, you want to pay attention? This is a trick. David, you weren't listening. See, this is why I throw podiums. People don't listen. All right, because I don't remember, and you weren't listening enough to tell me. Jacob, do you remember? Nope, he was off to you. All right. <clears throat> what? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Christians can still sin. See, some one person was listening. Christians can still sin, right? And so we can get fooled sometimes. So I'm not saying that's not the case, but guess what? You're never comfortable, are you? You can go back. There's a video of me in the time of my life in this broken cart mess. Go listen to it, okay, because I don't want to keep telling the story over and over. But in the middle of that, if you go back 10 years ago or over, and you, there's a video of me, right, uh, that I, I gave, I sent. I look like a freaking zombie. I do. I look horrible, right? You can't sleep. You don't eat well, right? You're anxious all the time. You're like, I don't know why I'm so anxious. I'm like, yeah, you do, because you're, you're, you're living like a fish out of water. You're living in the domain when you're from the kingdom, right? You know it. I don't need to add any more misery to that. And we all do that. And then we get caught up in this game of trying to catch everybody. Now, I'm not, again, sin is serious. And within the church, you can't walk around and live contrary to God and think you can be in this community. That's just how it is, right? We call each other to, the whole point of the church is to continue to grow and push each other to learn to be those sons and daughters. But it doesn't change the fact when we stumble that we're still a son or daughter. God's desire, listen to me, is always restoration. Always. So that image that was up there, it's so crucial for you to hold on to because if you hold on to that, and yet, let's just pretend, because I know you, you haven't fully let it sing in your heart, but pretend for a minute that God looks at you, and in the Bible when that dove came on Jesus, it was you, and he looks at you right now and says, you are my son with whom I'm well pleased. You are my daughter with whom I'm well pleased. Would you ever feel not free? 
Seriously, if you knew, if you honestly let this sink in, put your Christian earmuffs off, put away what you're supposed to say, if you truly believed God was always for you, never against you, always had your back, always excited to see you, would you ever be shameful, fearful, living in any kind of chains? Some of you can't even shake your head because you can't fathom it. But that's the reality. I wouldn't. It wouldn't matter then if Billy Bob, you know, you came up and said, hey, Billy Bob said this about you. I wouldn't care as much as I do because I'd go, I don't, who cares? I know who my daddy is. Right? If we truly lived out of that, you wouldn't live in fear. Fear of what? Fear of punishment? It's already over. Fear of him taking his favor away? Did he do it to Jesus? Sometimes I think for, for our purposes, because discipline has been used sinfully, can I give you another word to consider when you think when the Bible says discipline? How about redirection? God redirects those he loves, okay? I'm not changing the Bible. I'm just giving you a synonym. Redirection, it changes it, right? So I love my daughter. This actually happened. I've told this story, and now it's, it's come to be, okay? She's certainly my daughter, bullheaded as can be. So she goes over, and she, she's, it's not a... It's not a uh, plug-in yet, but it's the internet cord, okay? And she goes over, you know the one that's a little clicky thing? And she point, dude, I'm telling you right now, she will grab it and go, and look at me. And I say to her, this is a true story, this just happened. I said, easy, no, and she'll go. <laughs> I'm, I, you don't believe me. I, we got to get a video of this because she really does it. So I come over, right, and I grab her, and I say, Daisy, no. And I sit this, I sit her, this is, I need you to understand, this is not a pastor story. This physically and literally happens. I pick her up, I set her across the room because I'm like, she's a baby. They forget really quickly. And then she goes and grabs it again. I promise you, 10 seconds later. So then I come over and I go, no, right, very sternly. And she goes, she clearly knows I'm not going to do anything, all right? Or she thinks. So then I pick her up again. I put her over and sit her. This time I give her a toy, and I'm like, look, there's a funny little monkey. And she'll go, you know, then that time she'll sit long enough. And I, this is what's incredible about kids, by the way. I, like babies, they, they, they know, they, they are not monkeys. They do remember things. So I sit down, I'm like, it's over. And then I look, and she goes, and does it again. And here's the thing. I'm telling you she knows because she literally goes, as a baby, Right? And then I say, don't, or she'll come, this is really true, I, they're not going to believe me. She'll start to put her hand towards it, and I'll go, no, Daisy, no, stop, right? Here's my point. Now, I did come over, right, and it's like, you're trying, and I'm like, no, you know, all these things. But you know what I don't do? I don't come over and drop kick her, all right? I don't come over and slap her two, her two teeth out, Okay? Maybe three or four now. I haven't checked the top. I don't come over and punt her. I don't come over and go, I hate you. You're not my daughter. I don't do any of those things, right? Would I be a good father if I did any of those things? Why? She's a baby, right? Did I take the belt and whip her? She's one year old. No, I'm not going to whip her. She doesn't even, she would just think dad's hitting me for no reason. She can't put that together yet, right? In comparison to a good God, we're one year old. If God's given the choice of just coming over and picking me up and moving me, right, and sitting me down over and over, he'll do that. And it might feel painful because in that moment, for some weird reason, she, we just want to grab the internet cord. I don't know why. That's what, so it's, it's it, she even cried, why can't I grab the internet cord, right? That's, that's what we think. 
But if she were putting her finger, if she was about to, I've said this before, walk in front of a semi, I promise you I would spear her with everything in me if I had to because I'll take a couple of broken ribs over her being dead. You understand? So sometimes the Father has to spear us. And that's why we need to listen when he says, hey, don't do that. Get away from the internet for it. <laughs> or more likely, get away from the semi. Don't play in the road. <clears throat> it's sealed and it's finished. And it's a beautiful thing. And we have to cling to it. And if you let yourself, you won't be grumpy Christians anymore. There is zero reason, if we actually believe this, that you would ever be. I don't understand it. And I'm talking to myself because I can be grumpy. Why'd you nod at that, Hannah? Yeah, I can be grumpy, right? That's the one thing. She's like, yes, you can. Amen. Right? I'm just kidding. Yeah, I can be. But, but if I let myself see, but a lot of, you know, a lot of times our grumpiness comes from our own anxiety, which comes from our own sense of failure, our own sense of we're dropping the ball, our own sense of we've messed up, right? For me, because of some of the things that happened when I'm a kid, I'm just being transparent with you. I'm always, like, I've noticed I, I, when I mess up, I'm waiting for that, that belt to come, that fit, you know, whatever it is. That I'm waiting for it because my mind, it's going to take a long time. I'm not fully sanctified there yet that I can go, wait, wait, wait. That's not what he wants to do. He's not just going to kick me. We've got to live out of that. So I want to give you three things. Now, this isn't, there isn't going to be on the screen. This is for you to write down. See, I've got to mix it up so you're paying attention. Otherwise, it's going to be like when I asked David what happened. He's like, listen, where am I today? Right? <laughs> you should see his notes, though. He writes books. I don't know how you didn't. You must have missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, I did. So these are some beautiful things that are tied to justification. So I told you the keys to understanding it, and I want to tell you some of the, uh, how do I put this? How about the effects of justification, right? The benefits, that's a better word. Here's the benefits of justification. Number one, the remission of your penalty of sin, which was death, meaning you're not, gonna, you're not, in, the, you're not in death row anymore. You've, you're, not, you're not going to be killed. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Right? You're no longer an enemy. Well, that's number two. Number two, oh, by the way, I can give you verses, look this up. Uh, check out Romans 8.1, 1 Peter 2.24. Those tell you the benefits. I'll say it again, Romans 8.1, 1 Peter 2.24. Go look it up and tell me if it doesn't say that that penalty is gone. Okay? Number two, the restoration, this is beautiful, of God's favor. Not only are you declared, and I already told you this, you are now child with whom I'm well pleased. You have my favor. That's why, you know, the denominations that talk about, well, I've, sometimes we use it to um, describe how we feel, but the idea of losing God's favor isn't possible. I'm going to say, you, you can't lose God's favor. How can you lose it when it's already over? That's like going back in time and taking Jesus off the cross before he died. It already happened. So you get God's favor, which had been lost due to our sin, right? I'd say it every week. When we sinned, we no longer had his favor. We became his enemies. So when we put our faith in Jesus, we are justified, declared righteous and holy, and restored to who we were before the fall in his eyes. In his eyes, okay? We haven't caught up to that yet. <clears throat> so justification is more than just being declared innocent. It's full acceptance, right? It's not, it's, it's, it, otherwise, it's like, hey, you're no, you've no longer sinned, but you still can't come in the garden. He invites us back into Eden. You get it? That's symbolism. You understand? We're welcomed back in the garden to walk with him in the cool, right? Remember that? 
We're now friends of God. James 2.23 tells us that. Just go read Romans 8. It'll fill it all in. Co-heir with Christ. All those things. The third thing that happens is, and I've already mentioned all these, but I'm making it very clear. We are given the righteousness of Christ. We are, we, he, when he takes that guilt, he doesn't just leave us there because then we could sin again, right? And we could, we could lose it all. He takes the guilt, the sin, and he gives us the benefits. It's sealed in us. It's like we were dipped in Jesus juice, right? <laughs> and now, I don't know, Jenny. I'm just trying to make an analogy here. I was dipped in this. She literally goes, <laughs> dipped in this stuff, and now I am, I am credited, the, the theological word is impu, uh, imputed with his righteousness. It's part of who I am now. I am holy and good. It's, it's, I'm declared righteous legally. I'm holy. That's what he sees. So she's going to come play some music, and I want to leave you with this, and I get it. These aren't as exciting as the ones where I try to tell you how to be happy, right? Although, if you let this sink in, you'll be happy. <clears throat> Our, listen to me, please. Take the Christian ear most off. I'll give me five more minutes, and then you don't have to hear me more today. If you don't give me five minutes, and I think you're not paying attention, I'm going to talk for 30 more. Nobody wants that. Fred said, no, I'm just kidding, right? <clears throat> He's actually the only guy who's ever said, hey, man, keep talking. Most of you are like, <laughs> listen to this question. Are you living free? Are you really living free? If you're hiding stuff, if you're lying, if you feel ashamed, if you don't feel good enough, if you're living in the past mistakes you've made, if you can't let it go, if someone is reminding you every day and you're letting it, you know, you don't tell them it's not true, you just begin to accept it, that you aren't of God or you're false or all these other things, you're not living free walked right back in that jail cell and you shut the door, put the shackles on your arms and sat against the wall and, and just accepted it. But the sad reality is, is the chain, the manacles are unlocked. The door is still swinging open. All you got to do is walk out. But what if they tell me this is my home, this is where I belong? Tell them to take it up with Jesus. living free if you're not today, seriously, whether you're 12 or 92 and you're in this room, just let this sink in, please hear me, are you living free, if why not, take a moment, if you can say no, and, and ask yourself the question, what lie am I believing, what part of this truth have I really not accepted, what what distortion of, of truth have I been told that I've put into my heart, whether it's by a pastor or my own beliefs or religion? What have I believed that when I put against the, the word of God today doesn't stand? What lies am I, am I believing? And then ask yourself this. Will you continue to believe that prepackaged religious lie? Or will you believe and trust the radical truth that we just looked at. There's a lot of Christians in the world, some are real and some aren't, who are going to challenge this notion. They literally challenge the notion that you are justified. They challenge it, not knowing that at the end of the day, it's not really you, it's not your worthiness they're challenging. Who they're challenging is Christ. They're challenging the cross. They're challenging the foundation of what we believe. Because if any of these things aren't true, right, 
Paul says it himself. If it's not true, then what are we, what are we doing? Will you live free? You're going to have this time, guys. You, a lot of you have been here today. A lot of our members here. This altar time is a time for you to come before God. And, you know, a lot of times it's to confess sin. But maybe I haven't made this clear. Sometimes it's to come up and say, Lord, help me. I'm believing lies, and I just can't shake them. Free me. Remind me that I'm free. Take the weight that I've put on myself off. Set this captive free. Remind me of the truth. If you're in the room today and you can't honestly say if Christ came now, I know if, right? If, if. I know you got a big life. Kids, especially you, you're like, I got 90 more years. Okay. If Christ came today, if you can't say that he'd look at you and say you're one of mine, what are you doing? Because Lord forbid that it's a truck or an accident or a disease or a gun or anything else or if you're blessed to be on a a deathbed at 102. One thing is assured, you will die, right? It's just whether it's final or not. When you're on that deathbed, when you come to the end of yourself, do you want to look back in your life and say, I honestly thought I was living free, but it was a waste. I was living in a jail cell. I was, I was, it doesn't matter how big, you know, Jeff Bezos, I don't believe, he might have a real big jail cell, right? It might be real big, but at the end of the day, he's still locked in. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're in this room, you need to hear this. Here's the truth. Everything was made perfect. I know, and everybody remnant people, you probably say it, but do you let it sink in? He made the whole creation, and he made us to live in it and to live in relationship with him and to walk and reflect his glory, kind of like our, you know, if you got a kid that's in sports or in a spelling bee and you're all proud. That's what we were to be. That's, that's my boy. That's my daughter. There they are. And he said, there's only one rule to live here with me forever. I'm God and you're not. I say what's right and wrong, not you. And we rebelled. And we said, no. We set ourselves above him and we said, we will say what's right and wrong, what's sin and what isn't. And look what's happened to this world. In that instant, we were separated from a holy God like a branch ripped off a tree. And so you're like, well, I still have some leaves. Sure you do. But eventually it's going to wilt. You're dying. You have no roots. You can't, you don't have the ability to put yourself back to the tree. We were separated from God. We can't be in relationship with him. We are now guilty. We are enemies. You already heard it all. I could skip that part. If you were listening, you already heard it. The wrath is coming. We're in trouble. But when we couldn't come to God, God came to us to bring us to him. Jesus Christ existed. Jesus of Nazareth existed. It's a fact. Who is he? Well, he only gave us one option. He is the son of God. He taught us what it was like in the garden, what it was like before sin entered, who you really are and who I really am. He told us the standard. He described a place of love and forgiveness and joy and peace. All these beautiful things that are so opposite of the world we live in, right? promise. He said two things. One is he said, I can make you you believe in me. I will take you home. I will take you to that place because I'm going to come fix it. But something had to happen first, didn't it? Somebody's got to take care of your penalty. Otherwise, God's not a good judge. So on the cross, Jesus Christ walked in front of that firing squad with the gun aimed at you, and he died for your sins and mine. It happened. An innocent man killed sacrificed so that we don't have to die and be separated from God. 
On the third day, he rose from the dead. That's crazy, I know. So is gravity and airplanes and all kinds of stuff. He raised from the dead. There were 500 witnesses of the risen Christ. That's historical. Look it up. 500 witnesses. He rose from the dead, conquered death so that we can too. And he is coming back. And he won't be a man on a cross. He won't be a lamb. He will be the lion of Judah, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's not here anymore to save. He's here to judge. So if that's you today, here's the beauty. You can have peace. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt. It doesn't matter what you've done. And here's the beauty. It doesn't even matter what you're in today. The sin you're in. Well, I'll go clean it up first. You can't clean it up enough. But he can. The Bible says if you confess with your lips, right? If you repent of your sin, that means you turn away from you and you turn to the cross and you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, that he is who he said he was, and you call out to him, the Bible says you will be saved. It's over. It's finished. No matter where you came from and no matter where you're going, that's reality. You have the opportunity today to respond to that. I get it. I'm too cool. I've been, everybody already thinks I'm a Christian. Who cares? Maybe you're that person. You fooled everybody for a long time. I am telling you, judgment is assured. It's happening. Can't you feel it? We're in the last days. We've been in them since Christ came. Don't leave today without being assured of who you are, without being restored to your Father. There's going to be people up here willing to pray with you. Don't tell yourself, I'll do it later. Don't tell yourself you do it in the car, the bathroom, or after dinner, because you won't. That voice that's telling you this is weird and stupid and people are going to be looking at you, he's a liar. But the other voice, that real quiet one that's saying, do this, this is you. That's the one you need to listen to today. So whether you're a believer who needs to come and say, Lord, help me live free, or you're someone who doesn't know Jesus and you need to be set free, whatever you do, don't live as a captive anymore. Don't leave the same as you came in, because if you do, you are choosing to.